sweet friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host. I'm Kara Corinne Sofeli. I'm a food and body image coach and a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator. On this podcast, we talk all about healing your relationship with food, body, and beyond. And I'm so grateful and excited to have you tuning in to the Potty Pod today. Thank you for spending time with me. Today's podcast episode is all about your relationship with exercise, the ways that diet culture has infiltrated and impacted our relationship with exercise, what you can do if you're working on decoupling, the engaging in exercise and the pursuit of weight loss. Uh, today, we're speaking with a anti-diet personal trainer. She provides insights, tips, and advice for those of you who are breaking free from diet culture and want to have a healthy, intuitive, joyful relationship with movement. So like I said, Rachel's a personal trainer. She lives in New York City, and she's been doing this for 15 years. She sees clients both personally and virtually. In 2020, she enrolled in an intuitive eating group coaching program and instantly knew she wanted to help others break free from diet culture. In 2021, she became a certified intuitive eating counselor and has begun working with clients to help them mend their relationship with food and their body. So what you can expect today is a conversation, like I had said, all about movement. It's something that we have only talked about a little bit on the podcast, and Rachel is actually the first personal trainer that we've ever had. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to uh, this conversation today. Just as a little reminder, Food Body Soul the Academy, there is one spot left at the time of recording this. If you are ready to heal your relationship with food and your body, if you want to stop obsessively thinking about food, constantly thinking about your weight and all of the mental agony that comes along with that and you want peace and freedom and sanity and ease and confidence the academy is the place for you like I said we got one spot left at the time of recording this we start March 14th so if you're listening to this before that date don't wait reach out and you can do that at foodbodysoul.co or you can go to karacorinsafeli.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram. So, okay, enough of me rambling. Let's get into today's episode with Rachel. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today, we have a lovely guest. Her name is Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Yeah. So I start out most of my episodes, not all of them, but quite a few of them uh, with my favorite quote. It is, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it's made all of the difference in my life. And that's by Steve Jobs. So Rachel, connect the dots for us. Tell us who you are, what you do, and how did you get here? I would love to. And I'd also just like to say that that happens to be my favorite quote too. So shut up. Yeah, I swear. So funny. I love, love, love it. Um, but yes, my name is Rachel Bass. I am a personal trainer and a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I would say that the dots go back to childhood. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be an actor and I grew up in the eighties and nineties. And there was just no one on TV who looked like me. I was just always 
just a little bit curvier than like the look of that time. And so um, when I went off to college, I was a theater major and upon graduating, I was like, well, what's my job going to be? I'm going to move to New York city. And like, I, I need a job. And I kind of like this guardian angel will say, I just feel like plopped into my life. And she told me that I should become a personal trainer because I liked working with people and it would give me a flexible schedule for my acting career for auditions. And I thought, oh, that's great. What I heard was become a personal trainer. You'll become thinner. That's what I thought. So I went to a six month schooling to become certified. And then I moved to New York city and got a job at Equinox. And instead of getting thinner, I developed a whole new slew of issues of, of like my self-esteem with my body image. Now I had the pressure of thinking I need to be thinner to be an actor. And also I should be thinner to be a personal trainer thinking, are people going to want to work with me? I always felt like I needed an excuse for being curvier. And I used to tell people, well, I'm not Jillian Michaels, but I just got into this because I really care about people. Because I was always nervous about people judging me for not being, having six pack abs and not being like super, people use the word toned. I would never use that word, but if people are looking for a visual, <laughs> that's what it was. So for years and years and years, I um, was a personal trainer. I left Equinox. I started my own business. It was successful. I loved my clients. I loved working with people. And then in 2020, pandemic hits. Uh, my entire business is, changes to being virtual. And like many people, I'm scrolling a lot. And I like on TikTok, and I find Sammy at Fine Food Freedom, who is a certified intuitive eating counselor and a dietitian. And I start picking up on her messaging about intuitive eating. And I was like really connecting with that. And when she offered um, a program, I was like, I need to do this for me. So I joined her group coaching program. And from there, I was like, this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to help other people break free from diet culture. <clears throat> and it changed my entire business too, because instead of working with clients who wanted weight loss, I was like, I I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't resonate with me. It's not true to me. And so that's kind of how I got. So that is how you got, got here. So you had mentioned this in your story of just wanting to become a personal trainer, thinking that it'll, it'll support you in being thinner, not only for acting, but then you had this story in your head that I have to look a certain way in order for people to take me seriously. And then you discovered the anti-diet movement. Did you, in addition to having those new insecurities about your body, do you, you also feel like you struggled with dieting or disordered eating? And if so, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, I probably starting in high school, um, started going down the disordered eating path, not eating, got to college that turned into binging and purging. Then just all those things continued, certainly dieting, lots of different diets, specifically Weight Watchers, calorie counting. And so there was just a lot of yo-yo dieting, a lot of weight cycling, and I remember telling myself when I would, you know, lose 15 pounds or so, like, oh, this time will be different. This time I won't gain back the weight. Like, so proud of myself and those feelings. And of course, um, as many people know, when you shrink, you get praised for that. And so the self-loathing when you gain back the weight is just like tenfold. And then years and years and years and years of that. So I certainly... That is why I connected to the messaging um, when I started hearing about intuitive eating. I kind of was like, yeah, 
I, this isn't working for me. Clearly, if I keep going on a diet and gaining back the weight, this is not actually working. And it also really was ruining my relationship to working out the pressures of like, did I go to the gym enough days this week? And if I didn't like, what does that say about me as a personal trainer that I didn't work out today? Here I am training a client and I'm telling them what to do. I don't really do the workouts with my clients. I might demonstrate, but I don't like do the whole thing with them. It's not a group instruction class. So it, it caused a lot of, a lot more insecurities to be honest. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That I can understand the impact of that. So what was it like for you to learn about intuitive eating, learn um, what I'm hearing is you learned a little bit about like weight science and weight cycling and how most people struggle to maintain the weight that they've lost on a diet. When you started to shift internally, how did that, how was that received by your current client base and were they receptive or did your client base start to switch over? Like, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of my clients really have been with me for many years and, um, (laughs) it's interesting. I already had a lot of clients who weren't necessarily with a weight loss goal. So that probably helped but I did have some people and, and I just started explaining to them the things I was learning and that I thought that these goals that they had, like I had a client at the time who wanted to lose weight for her wedding, which was pretty far away. And so I started telling her the things that I was learning from intuitive eating, um, which I think oftentimes makes sense to people, but that still, you know, if someone isn't ready to move into that mindset, if they're not reachable, then it's not worth our time. So I would just stick to the programming, um, of giving them a good workout, but I wasn't going to sit there and measure them and take a picture and ask about their weight loss. Um, I remember taking on a new client who I do still work with, um, during the pandemic and purely a weight loss client. And I said to him, I, I don't work in that anymore. So I'm happy to train you and we can work on strength and flexibility. Um, but I, I can't help you with that in specific goal. And I said that before we actually started working together and he said it was fine and we still work together to this day. So I think, um, personal training is such a personal business that people were connecting with me enough that they wanted to stick with me. But I also have always felt like in that field, there are people who want to work with a trainer based on how that trainer looks for different reasons, right? Like someone could look at me and think that person's going to be nice because she (laughs) doesn't have six pack abs, you know, whatever. I mean, I do think I'm nice, but that's not the reason why. And someone else might want to work with a trainer who looks a certain way because they think then they will look like that person. So it, it, it really changed how I talk to people, but it didn't necessarily, um, change my business too much. Luckily, that was just a good thing I already had going with my clients. Yeah. So did you in the past used to do that? Like take pictures, take measurements? Like, was that a part of your, for sure. Yeah. Um, progress pictures, measuring them, listening to what they had eaten, probably giving advice on nutrition that like, I really shouldn't be, um, I I never wanted to put someone on a diet and I wasn't qualified for that, but people in the personal training world certainly do. Um, But, you know, I'd give a lot of diet culture tips like, oh, well, we'll just cut the carbs, you know, that'll be great. Or I would also tell people a lot like, well, you got to find what works for you. Like if you don't 
if you don't mind cutting out dairy, then cut out dairy, you know, like just things that now I would never tell someone. Um, and frankly, again, I've worked with many clients for, for years and years and years. And the biggest thing that you notice is like people's bodies change in general, just through time. So the biggest thing I'm proud of working with people on is gaining strength and functional movement so that like we can carry ourselves through life and there's nothing wrong. And this might be diverting your question a little bit, but there's nothing wrong with having a goal. If someone wants to train to run a mile or train to run a marathon, it's fine to have those goals. It's fine to want to deadlift 200 pounds. Those are fine goals and we can program for that, but that's, that is a different goal than training for weight loss. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what are the most common ways that diet culture impacts our relationships with movement and exercise that you have seen that have made us have unhealthy relationships with exercise? Yeah. So I think diet culture, a lot of this comes to how we feel mentally, even though we're talking about a physical thing. It's like when we're in diet culture, it's so restricting. It's so like you have to do something in order to be worthy. And so when we remove that, we're coming into what makes my body feel good? What's going to work for me today? Not how am I trying to change myself, but like, Hey, you know what? Yoga makes me feel relaxed. It makes me feel calm. It, it sets me up for a good day or going on a run. Like I like the feeling of sweating, whatever it might be. And I think that finding what brings people joy and movement is a journey in itself. So someone might think they really love soul cycle. And then if they start their journey, might real of like finding joyful movement might realize they didn't actually like that. Or maybe they still do because they like the camaraderie of being around other people. Um, it's just really important to, to one, find what makes you feel good, not from the aesthetic, but from the internal. Mm-hmm. And it's also that... <laughs> sorry. It's just like, that's how we need to like release the pressures from it because when we're stuck in the pressures, it can really bring people down, right? Like then you're being hard on yourself for not getting in the workout. Maybe you didn't work. There's a whole, like, let's work out for a whole hour. It's like, we can start by just saying, Hey, what's going to make you feel good for 10 minutes. And also recognizing things in life that we do that are movement, right? Like cleaning your house is movement. So you don't necessarily have to be going on a run and then picking your kids up from school and then cleaning the house all in one day, you could have just cleaned the house and been like, Hey, you know what? That was my movement for the day. And now I'm going to give myself permission to rest. And just like in intuitive eating, we talk about, um, having like unconditional permission to eat in working out. We have to have unconditional permission to rest, to see how that affects us. And then like finding that desire to move as opposed to the pressure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you think somebody gets from being super caught up in diet culture, feeling like certain types of movements are valid, certain types of movements are not valid, right? So like cleaning the house, it doesn't count. It has to be an hour. I have to sweat. I have to push myself, right? I, how does somebody get from that place to, okay, I can rest if I need to rest. I know that cleaning the house counts as a valid form of movement. I was moving my arms and my legs and, you know, like scrubbing the floor. Like how, how do you bridge that gap? Cause I think it's easy to intellectually understand that perspective. How, yeah. how have you gotten there? What has really supported you in that process? So 
the biggest thing that I can say for myself and that I would recommend to people is changing up your social media. So if your social media is filled with gurus who are telling you what you need to be doing and that if you do it, you'll look like them, that's going to keep sending that message to you. So finding the anti-diet community, finding trainers like myself who are talking about health at every size, come bring whatever body you have, that is so, so helpful. And it also just brings diversity to what you're literally seeing. For me, when all I saw from growing up was people on TV who were thin, that was all I could reference as beauty. That is what was in magazines. That's what's on TV. Now we have social media. So if that's all you're looking at, that's kind of like on a subconscious level, all you can really think and feel. So when you change that up, not that I think people need to be on social media all day long, but by changing up who you're following, that's going to be a really good first step. It's like literally just changing this message of A to this message of B so that it's like getting more internalized and hearing that over and over again, that you can move your body by cleaning. You can just go on a walk, right? Like somehow at some point in life, we started demonizing walking as not good enough. Like walking is amazing. Walking is great. Um, so that is one of it. I also would recommend, and I have it right next to me. There's this book, it's called Train Happy by Tally Rye. And this is, it's called an intuitive exercise plan for everybody. And so it's kind of like uh, the intuitive eating book, but this is for intuitive movement, she calls it. So if someone was like really, really lost and just wanted a, a starting place, I would highly recommend this book because she gives a lot of recommendations and takes people through that journey as well. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree changing up the information that your brain is getting and giving it a new message is absolutely a part of that deprogram process and that reprogram process, because the way that we relate to exercise has largely been a result of the messaging that yeah. we have received. Is there anything else that really supported you in getting to this place where your relationship with movement has shifted and you're not telling, you're not beating yourself up for not exercising on a day when you were just training clients aside from switching up the information that you were. Well, honestly, I think it's like still part of my journey. So I'm like two years in and like those old thoughts are still going to creep in. And I think it's just about like giving ourselves grace, right. And like kind of coming back to some of the basics. It's like, if I didn't move out today, am I a bad person? No, I'm not a bad person. What, let's talk about like why I didn't work out today or why I didn't get in movement. I don't even call it working out anymore. I just call it like getting in movement. Um, and I, I just try to like be in touch, like, because sometimes there's like a mental restriction and that can also be like overcome, right? It's like, oh, well now it's 4 PM. And like, I just don't tend to move my body at 4 PM, but like, let me, I have the tools to ask myself certain questions. So how am I feeling both mm. like physically and mentally? And then like asking the next question from that, like, why does my body, is it tired or does it hurt? Or is it lethargic? Why is my brain maybe not wanting me to do, like, why am I resistant to these things? So I think like, as we like go on the journey and just giving ourselves grace, because maybe the answer is I just don't want to. And like, that's okay. I, I, there just doesn't need to be so much pressure on ourselves, which takes practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely still have those days of being like, I didn't do something with my body and I feel bad about that and, and it's okay. And then I kind of like let the thought drop, but I'm just saying it's, it's part of everyone's journey. Like this is life. And this is the world that we grow up in is a world that puts so much pressure on ourselves and so much pressure on our, also like our need for health. 
and like this pressure that like you have to do this because you have to be healthy. And of course, like being healthy is great for our loved ones to have us here for a long time, but like we don't owe anyone our health, right? Like we all should be finding a, a lifestyle that just works for us. And that's going to ebb and flow as the days do. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Are there specific steps? So in addition to the self-inquiry and self-connection that you were just talking about, which you gave some really concrete examples of really just allowing yourself the spaciousness to tune in and ask yourself like, what's going on and how are you feeling and being okay with that and giving yourself grace through that process. Are there other concrete steps that support people in getting to a place of finding what actually works for them? Yeah. First of all, I think it's really important to, as I mentioned kind of earlier, like lose this idea of needing an hour. Mm. Movement doesn't have to be an hour that, that just came out. You also don't need to get 10,000 steps. So just what is even like 10 minutes? What is um, 10 minutes of just doing some burpees and push-ups if that's what works for you that day? Like, let's just start small and then assessing how that feels. Mm. I think that that's a good place to start is like removing these time limits to it and then exploring new avenues of movement. So I've thrown out different things, running or soul cycle yoga, but there's also just so many things on the internet and, um, finding that journey of just saying like, Hey, you know, what? I'm going to try out some different things and see how they work for me. And there's no pressure to it. If you're taking an online Pilates class and 10 minutes in, you're like, I abhor this and I don't want to do it. Then that's fine. That was like a great lesson, like noted to myself, moving on to the next thing. So exploration can be really exciting. And, um, like one of the things that I was doing, uh, someone on TikTok told me that I should try was, um, like virtual reality, which my fiance happened to get the Oculus. And so I started doing Beat Saber and that was really fun. That was a game. It was movement. And I was like, this is something I can add to my personal arsenal. So giving yourself the position to lower the amount of time, there's no pressure and explore new things to see what's really connecting with you and what you're finding joy in both for in the moment of the movement, but also in the after feeling. Mm, yeah. I think that spaciousness of getting that it doesn't have to look a certain way and it doesn't have to look the way that diet culture says it needs to. So these arbitrary yes. rules around time, arbitrary rules around intensity, arbitrary rules around the distance, right? Like you said, 10,000 steps. And then really getting that playing this, it sounded like a dancing game. Is it a dancing yeah. game? Okay. It's like you have these like lightsabers and these okay. blocks are flying at you and you slice them. So there's a lot of this. I know people can't see me, but I'm really waving my arms around. So. Yeah. Okay. Right up. <laughs> yeah. So really getting that, like all types of movement are, are valid into the body. It's all just movement. The body's yeah. not like, Oh, this wasn't, you know, you weren't in a gym. So this doesn't count. Like that's not the body doesn't know. It just knows you're moving, especially in the mind body connection, right? Like how your mind is going to feel from that movement is going to be great. No matter what the movement was, it's like the pressure of diet culture to your point that makes us feel like that wasn't good enough. I'm sure many people listening to this know what it's like to go to the gym, probably were there for an entire hour and leave and say, Oh, I, I don't know. It wasn't that great of a workout right. well, that you don't need to, you shouldn't have to feel like a failure. You showed up, you put in the time to go there. And of course, certain people aren't they're not personal trainers and they don't know how to make a full workout at the gym. And that's totally fine. That's not everyone's job and expertise. So 
again, finding what makes someone enjoy that time. It should be a part of our day that we want to attend Mm. and not something that we feel like we have to. And Mm. that is what's going to keep people continuing to move their body. Mm. Okay. So I'm trying, I'm wanting to put myself like kind of put ourselves in the position of somebody who is really struggling with their relationship with movement. So they have spent their entire life in diet culture. And because of all of the pressures on exercise and working out that diet culture instills within us, they're at this place where they're feeling apathetic, where they, they, they like intellectually know that they do want to work out, but they're not feeling like they really want to because of all of those pressures. What advice would you give somebody or encouragement or a couple of practical steps that they could take if they're in that space? Yeah. Well, if someone has the privilege of being able to work with someone like myself, then that is a great place to start because obviously anti-diet personal trainers, we have experience and we have knowledge. And also there's kind of the camaraderie of being able to have that, but it's, it's a huge privilege to be able to work with a trainer. So not to be repetitive, but I would really go back to those smaller steps Mm -hmm. of just saying like, you know what, today I want to, I want to go on, I'm going to go on a walk or I walked to my job today. Well, it depends on where people live, but recognizing the thing that you've done and just asking how that felt, Mm -hmm. because that's where part one is. And if someone has a really, um, has had a history of feeling really stuck in diet culture with it, you know, we're, we're just trying to really make a big turn in how we feel with movement. So I think it's just important to start small Mm -hmm. and take note of it. Mm -hmm. Try one thing, try it for 10 minutes. Did it feel great after 10 minutes? Did you choose to keep going? Yes. No, all these, it's just all about doing some inner Mm self-work and some self-care and asking ourselves things, which may not be really intuitive to many people, but mm-hmm. it's, you're making a choice to invest in yourself by saying, I'm going to give it 10. And the next time it might be like, Hey, you know, I really enjoyed those 10 minutes. So I think I will try for 15 or 20, or just in the t- moment you're in, if you get lost in it, you can keep going, but we just have to have unconditional permission to also just put it down and say today wasn't my day. And, and why was that? Well, you know what? I just had a bad day at work and I just want to go home and be with my job that's okay. Maybe your dog wants to go for a walk. Maybe that was a nice time to have. So I think it's just about coming back to starting small and seeing how that feels and evaluating those steps because you don't have to do, um, you know, Barry's boot camp if you don't like Barry's boot camp. But if you find that you really enjoy hot yoga, then that's probably something to try again. And we can build from there. Yeah. Yeah. So starting small, and really yeah. giving yourself permission to not have it look a certain way and yeah. to really tune into how you're feeling and what you enjoyed and allowing that to be the thing that continues to pull you forward. But I also really love that you emphasize it's a choice. And so really getting that I'm, I am choosing to give myself permission to just do this for 10 minutes and try it out. I am choosing to release the pressure and expectations that if I don't work out for an hour, it doesn't count those types of things. I think that's very empowering of really getting of like, I can choose this for myself. Yeah. You say it much more eloquently than me, but I'm glad that that's what you extracted from what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, that is, sounds very good. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I want to kind of shift back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, in part because this has been something that has come up so much with my clients recently, is, is just really struggling to detach weight loss from exercise. So in your experience, how do we do that? Like, how do we not make exercise about weight loss? Do you, you know, how did you do that for yourself? Aside from changing up my social media feeds, because you had already mentioned that, is there anything else that has helped you or that you've noticed with your clients? You know, what's a mindset shift or a perspective shift to support people in decoupling them because they've been so collapsed. Right. In our culture. Honestly, I think it's about how it makes you feel like, that's why I keep saying we have to check in with ourselves because yeah, for so long, if that's like why you were going to the gym, that's why you're taking that class is because you're looking to shrink your body. Then that's what you're associating it with. But exercise has so many great, um, like results that it can give us. And so we have to be taking the time to tune into those things. So how does it feel to sweat? Do you like sweating? Do you not like sweating? Mm-hmm. How does it feel to, you know, move your body and to feel, do you feel stretched out? Do you like how that feels? Is it helping you de-stress from a long day? Is that the time that you get away from your kids? And you just like that those two things go hand in hand, that you get some time to move your body, but also it's alone time. It's ways of let's take this like inner instead of outer, right? So the outer would be, I'm trying to shrink myself. The inner is like, how am I feeling? How is this affecting me both um, physically, but, and I, by that, I mean more in like a flexibility, agility, mobility way. Um, But also in our brains, because I think a lot of people, whether they're looking for weight loss or starting to move out of that, will say, I did that movement and I feel really glad that I did. Like it, you know, they kind of are feeling the effects of the serotonin release. Um, So also moving our body can help with bloating. You know, there's so many ways that moving just physically makes us feel. Yeah, that would be my thought process is to ask yourself after doing whatever the movement of choice was, like, how do I feel mentally, physically, and emotionally? And answer those questions. And I think that that's a place to build upon. So we're always just going to start small, small in the amount of time, assess. Well, I'll just start there. Yeah. Starting small and asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also what you had said sort of in the beginning was connecting to other desires that you would, other benefits that you would like from movement. So really getting that like potential weight loss is just like one potential of so many other possible benefits that you can prioritize and value from moving. So presencing yourself to that. So presencing yourself to, I want to improve my my mental health and my emotional well-being. I want to improve my mobility and my flexibility. I want to take this time, this hour for myself or however long it is, right? It's where I'm I'm kid-free. So I just get some me time so that I can restore, yeah. but I also get to, you know, till two kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, of I get to move my body and have some self-connection time. And then allowing those other benefits to be what you focus on and what you prioritize. Yes. Yeah. But then also being like, 
you know, like I get that the, the connection with weight loss, this isn't like immediately going to go away. It's not like we can just like turn that off when, like you had said, we've grown up in this culture. So I think also really just holding space for that part of you that is probably still maybe wanting that or hoping for that, but then really remembering like, what are my values and what am I going to choose to, to focus on? And it can be all those other benefits, you know, fun, trying something new, getting outside, having some time to myself all of the mobility things, you know, so just really allowing yourself to shift your focus. Yeah. And, and to add to, um, the benefits also becoming stronger is always great. We all are aging. None of us are not aging. We all are in aging bodies, no matter what our age and building muscle is never going to be a bad thing And our bodies start kind of basically, uh, we start losing muscle around the age of 26. So it's good to be strength training. That is going to help us in our elderly years to be starting earlier. So if someone doesn't like strength training, then they don't have to do it. But in general, moving our bodies is always going to be beneficial in our long-term health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the ability to maintain doing things as you get older, I I literally just, I went hiking on Friday in the Palisades, um, which is this beautiful place because it overlooks the ocean. And I was talking with my friend about how I wanted to engage in more consistent movement. I, through the pandemic, I just was not consistently moving the way that I I had prior. And I really was present to the fact that I was like, I just want to maintain mobility and flexibility as I get older. And I want to continue to be able to engage in life in the ways that I am. And like, that is so inspiring to me right now and makes me want to continue to prioritize movement. And like in the past, it was never like that. It was always just about burning off calories or earning the right to, to eat or shrinking my body. And like the desire of being able to continue to participate in life free from, hopefully free from pain is just like, I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm in my mid thirties now. I don't know, but like that I'm like, that matters to me, you know? I totally, totally agree. And, and I feel the same way. I was in um, the Southwest in the fall and we went to Grand Canyon and we were doing these hikes. We were at um, Zion National Park and I found the hikes really challenging, but was also really proud that I was able to do it. And so I think for anyone listening, if you go on a certain, because we're talking about hiking, if you were to do something like that and felt like that was really challenging, that's a great, but I really enjoyed being in nature. It's a great place to be starting in this venture because just getting out there walking, you know, putting, getting in an incline, these things are really important to be to that type of goal of being able to go hike up a hill or a mountain. Um, if someone enjoys like bike riding along, you know, because they just enjoy that, that is movement. And that is something that if you enjoy it now, hopefully you would enjoy in the future down the line, 10, 15, 20 years. So practicing and continuing it is what keeps it in our bodies. It's when we are like, oh, I haven't done gymnastics since I was seven. And I think I should still be able to do a back handspring. It's like, well, we haven't been working on that, but we could work to get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. There's lots of mountains yeah. left to climb. You know, right. I definitely want to maintain doing that. Another right. thing that I had just thought of, and maybe you have some words of wisdom here. So people who take a break from exercise, I mean, often when we're in diet culture, we oscillate between being on the wagon or off. Right. So it's like, we're eating super clean and perf 
perfect, you know, air quotes galore here and being really rigid and strict with what we're eating. But then we're also like that with our exercise. And then when we fall off the wagon, it's like, we're not eating that way and we're not exercising. So for somebody who's just getting back into exercise and they're like, oh my God, I am so out of shape. I can, am I losing my breath? What words of encouragement could you maybe give to somebody there who's just feeling shame about how they're, they used to be in better shape and they're noticing that having fallen off the wagon for, you know, air quotes, however long they did, they're noticing that their body has really changed. What words of encouragement could you maybe offer somebody? Well, first of all, if someone used to be active, their body's going to get back to that active place a lot quicker than their original line was at. So um, if someone was able to lift a certain amount, let's say, you know, overhead press 50 pounds, and now they can barely do 10, they will get back there much quicker as long as they enjoy it and keep doing it. So we do get back to places. Um, but it's, we always have to give ourselves grace. We have to check in with ourselves. And I think that's why part of like intuitive movement and being in the anti-diet community is so cool because we're saying like, Hey, show up as you are. You don't have to wear cool clothes to work out. You don't have to show up to a certain class. This is for you. So mm -hmm. you're showing up for yourself. There's no right or wrong way to be moving your body. And if someone felt really like everything is really challenging, then I would just start with walking because mm -hmm. most likely if someone's able-bodied, they are walking in life to do things. So let's just keep on walking. Mm -hmm. And then there's so many other things that we can add in. And there's so many free resources on the internet from YouTube. And there's just all sorts of trainers out there and different classes that people can take. But just starting with one thing and being in tune with ourselves and asking how that feels. Because if something doesn't feel good, that's exactly why we're not going to do it. That's why we don't like to keep dieting. Because at some point, we wanted the cake. And then we had the guilt and shame. And what I'm trying to say is we want to remove guilt and shame from our movement patterns. So like, I'm here to support you, whoever's listening. And it's for you. There's no right or wrong way to get back into movement. It is just for you and your body. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So one of the things that I, I often hear online and it's around the desire to, to lose weight is I have joint pain or I have pain in my body and, um, some everyday tasks are hard for me because my belly is, you know, big. So my, my partner, you know, is in a bigger body and we went to yoga. And one of the things he had said was some of those postures are hard for me because I have a really big belly and that's a valid thing. Yeah. Uh, but that would be the reasons why people are like, well, I have to lose weight because I'm in pain or my joints hurt or everyday tasks are hard. Um, what would you say to somebody who's in that position, but who's also open and receptive to the anti-diet message? Because if they're listening to this podcast, they are. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, well, I feel like I first have to say that as people know, like since intentional weight loss has such a high propensity for regaining weight, like that's number one, why someone like me isn't going to recommend that before doing the movement. But I would say any exercise can be modified. So if someone feels like going to yoga in your example, like is not a comfortable, then that instructor wasn't right for them because there are lots of larger body people who teach yoga and know how to give the proper instruction to move your body in ways that are going to feel good and feel right. 
I, I really believe that everything can be modified, but it's, yeah, it's finding the right person to be able to make those modifications for you. And from doing the movement, we are going to build strength around those joints that are hurting. So I don't think that we have to wait to be losing weight. We can work towards those goals by moving our body. And I think it's a, it is a very diet culture thing to be like, and frankly, it's a medical professional thing too, right? Like in our medical field, doctors are saying, oh, well, you need to lose weight before you do anything, which is probably a conversation for a different time, but like a whole, whole issue that I often feel like I'm up against because so many people will say, well, my doctor, even like my own brother, you know, like my doctor said, I need to lose weight. But meanwhile, he happened to take up jujitsu, which he was really, and he's a larger body person and he really enjoys it. And he's been doing it for months and months and months. So the right coaches can modify things for you and you should be able to go at your own pace mm-hmm. and kind of assess. But, um, I, I feel like that is a, you're right. A very common thing to think that the weight loss has to happen. And I also just want to point out though, that going back to the, like the idea of joint pain, like thinner people have joint pain too, right? So it's like, if that person might still go to the workout class, we can make modifications for someone else's body to do these things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think not putting weight loss as a barrier between you and then engaging in these other behaviors and practices that can support you. So it's like, start where you are in the body you have now. What are some things that you can do that aren't about shrinking yourself that can support you with joint pain that can support you with mobility. And that could be things like stretching that could be things like engaging in movement and strength training, relaxation techniques or gentle yoga or whatever. It's was like, what can I actually do that isn't about weight loss so that weight loss isn't standing between me and actually taking care of myself right now in the body that I have right now with the issues that I have right now. And I also think this might sound surprising, but I also think clothing is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm a larger chested person. There's not going to be a situation where I feel comfortable doing jumping or running without having really supportive clothing. And so I think that is for anyone having clothing that you don't have to wear the matching set, but if you want to wear the matching set, wear the matching set. If what you're putting on is going to help encourage you and make you feel good about this choice and also is supportive in different ways, whether that's wearing pants that are compressive or, you know, a good sports bra or what state, what applies to you. Mm -hmm. Then I think that that's also like a really important part of the journey because Mm -hmm. it affects how we feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming up on our time here. So I just want to, before we kind of shift gears into wrapping up, is there any other words of wisdom or advice or support or something that you've learned along your way that has made a really big difference for you and your relationship with movement that you would want to impart to somebody who is working on cultivating a healthy relationship with exercise? I think how you talk about yourself is really important. So starting to catch yourself, whether it's talking literally to yourself or to others of changing the narrative. Oh, I didn't work out today. I'm a loser. It, maybe that was just an internal cue, but let's reframe that. I didn't work out today. Why? I didn't want to. Okay. Maybe I'll want to tomorrow. Um, changing how we speak to each other instead of being like, oh, I was so bad this weekend. Now I need to do two workouts. I had a great weekend with friends. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to getting in some movement tomorrow because I know that will also make me feel good. 
Mm. So reframing and rephrasing how we talk about things really changes like how we feel and how we see ourselves. And that also, um, it's also really important in what we're following. So I know I already said it, but I just think it's really important what community you're supporting yourself with. Mm -hmm. So if you find that everyone around you is in diet culture and they only work out for those purposes, then it's important to find a community that's going to support you in this new journey because it's a really warm community and we're really supportive. And it doesn't mean that people in diet culture are bad people. It's just not necessarily helpful to the journey that you're on. So I think it's important to have that type of messaging and that support around you that people who can relate. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great tip. So really shifting the way that you're talking about where you're at and what you're up to really shifting that internal dialogue. And you're right. We've measured, you know, Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Despons. I've actually measured that when you think a negative thought, you produce a chemical that makes you feel bad. And when you think a positive thought, it produces a chemical within the body that's more likely to make you feel good. So like you're right on the money and the science right there. So that's actually very real. Um, and then having a positive community. And this question just popped in my head. How would you describe a healthy, positive, intuitive relationship with movement? How would you describe that? What are the components? Yeah, I think a healthy relationship with movement is one that sparks joy, one that is personal and that is like inquisitive and always communicating Mm -hmm. and one that kind of is taking note of how things make us feel. It's, it's just a personal inner journey that someone just keeping that experience close to you and remembering that there's no right or wrong way, always giving yourself grace and just really checking in and being in tune with what you're feeling on your day to day. Yeah. I love that. So lots of self-connection, lots yeah. of self-reflection, self-inquiry, compassion, gentleness. Yes. Those yes. are all these integral components. Yeah. Okay. What are you most excited about in life right now? So, well, I'm getting married. So that's pretty <laughs> exciting. That takes yeah. up like a lot of my brain space and that's really exciting. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm also really excited because I've actually teamed up with three other um, anti-diet professionals mm-hmm. and we are doing a one night event. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but um, on March 9th, we are having a Zoom webinar called Body Culture, talking about body image. Um, and the coolest thing about uh, myself and these other women is that we all have different backgrounds. So obviously I am a personal trainer and intuitive eating counselor. Um, Kelly is a dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. Paula is a licensed psychologist and certified intuitive eating counselor and say is a plus size model. So I'm really excited that we are coming together to bring information to people about how they view their bodies and that we can all bring a different little piece to this conversation because of our different backgrounds. I think it's going to be a really great event and that we're going to help a lot of people. Mm, yeah. Well, congrats on the wedding. I haven't planned a wedding, but man, have I heard stories about all the work that it takes to do so. So I can understand that's taking up a lot of brain space and yeah. <laughs> this event sounds awesome. Uh, and uh, if this comes out after March 9th, is there a recording that people can purchase if they wanted to tune in? I think people can check back to all of our social media. Certainly my social media is no longer dieting on um, TikTok and Instagram. Um, we are having the recording available to people who sign up in advance. So perhaps it'll be available to others as well. Okay. We'll have to see. 
Yeah. Where can everybody find you aside from no longer dieting? So you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, is there a website? And, and how do you work with people and what sort of offerings do you have to support people as a counselor, as an intuitive eating counselor, and as a personal trainer, if someone was interested in learning more? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So those are actually currently website is under construction. So currently um, Instagram and TikTok for no longer dieting are the best ways to kind of like send me a little note or email on, uh, no longer dieting at gmail.com. Um, I'm not really taking personal training clients right now. I am on a website called find your trainer where people could learn a little bit about me, but, um, I would say I, my schedule is pretty full right now. So I think keeping up with the socials as I build my website is probably the best way to be in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was great to connect with you and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. For sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. If you did, shoot me a DM or share it in your Instagram stories or share it with a friend. That's the best way to give back to the pod. And I will see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.